0: We started production on Straight White Guy Listening after the 2016 election, when the world felt so topsy-turvy and we didn't know which way was up. When it felt like the most marginalized voices would be drowned out. Almost four years later, well, you know how it is. The world is even more chaotic and uncertain. But despite that, the conversations we're having and the coalitions that are forming feel more powerful, real, and urgent. Since we started this project, I've learned and grown as a listener. I've also tried to be more open and vulnerable with how I express myself. I don't think you can really split the two. You can't be a good listener without showing yourself for who you really are. That's what was on my mind when I spoke with Dr. Graham Bodie, a fellow straight white guy, professor at the Mississippi School of Journalism and New Media and specialist in the field of listening. Considering his skill as a communicator, I figured he was the right straight white guy I could talk to about listening. I'm Graham High, and this is Straight White Guy Listening. Uh, can you give me an idea about your background and how you kind of came to be, uh, you know, someone who highlights the field of listening? Absolutely. So I, um, I did my undergraduate at
1: Auburn University, be in a classroom at that time with a pretty influential professor in my life by the name of Margaret Fitchhauser, who just happened to be affiliated with an organization called the International Listening Association. Uh, so I got on a research team and I fell in love with the fact that she had this file cabinet full of things that very few people had ever read uh, on listening that, that people right. actually did research uh, on this topic. And the fact that there were so many gaps in that literature, that there was so much stuff that we still didn't know about what people think about listening and how people uh, act as listeners and whether that actually has an impact on key Relational health and well being metrics, and realized really quickly that while I was having an influence in the classroom where I was having the most impact, um, just a little story when I, I went to this one uh, organization, and somebody pulled me aside and, and basically said uh, that he followed some recommendations that I had talked about, uh, and that he had had a real conversation with his wife for the first time in 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and those stories kept coming. And people would say things like, if I knew you 20 years ago, I'd still be married. Or if I knew you 10 years mm-hmm. ago, I'd have a better relationship with my children. And I just thought, that's where it's at. Right mm-hmm. there is seeing the light bulb, seeing the eyes open, seeing people realize that this thing that I'll largely take for granted, which is the power of human communication and listening, that perspective isn't always Shared And so the ability to reach people um, who haven't had the experiences of being in a college classroom or being in a high school classroom that focuses on these things uh, really kind of set my um, target toward the work that I'm doing now with Listen First Project. And so I see that as my, my professional calling at this point is to um, get that information out to the public and, and problematize and, and help people think deeper about what it means to listen to other people.
0: When you mentioned the Listen First project, can you give us an idea of what that is and your mission and why it exists? So we exist uh, because we believe uh, that,
1: as we say, the frayed fabric of society can be mended uh, by bridging divides one conversation at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're withdrawing from conversations. We're eroding relationships and understanding Uh, People have called it a soft civil war, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, whether you're, you know, whether you're one out there, you know, uh, decrying the problem or trying to fix it, you've got to recognize that we've got some issues as a society that we're not necessarily uh, talking across divides. Rather, we're trying to disparage and, you know, divide rather than Mm -hmm. to, to unify. Uh, and, it, and you know, we see it every day with people not wanting to have conversations or to listen to perspectives that they don't agree with. We're in our Facebook silos. We're in our media silos. Um, and so we really believe that we, we believe the experts and the research that says that we need to cultivate more positive social connections, mm-hmm. um, that we need to start new conversations that move us from us to them toward me and you. Right. Um, and so we feel like we can do that by you know, focusing on what we're calling kind of the national listen first movement. Um, And so our primary focus um, currently in in, at the societal level is what we call national conversation project. And Mm -hmm. part of the reason we're doing this podcast this week is because it's national week of conversation, which is, um, as as we describe it on the website, a, a bold annual occasion when people with diverse perspectives listen first to understand. In other words, wherever you are, uh, you have the opportunity either in person or virtually to have conversations that explore whatever topic interests you, whether it's political, you know, capital P political or lowercase p political, whether it has nothing to do with politics in any specific or general sense. It's a universal human need to connect with other people. Uh, it's not just uh, so it's not just an American problem, although we have focused uh, some, most of our energy uh, in the United States. So we really just liked the, to see uh, people of all stripes, of all colors, of all perspectives come mm-hmm. together and connect um, and listen across difference, not necessarily to come to some common ground, not necessarily to agree with each other, right. but really to see the humanness in other people and to show respect and understanding for the fact that we do live in a society that is global, international, diverse, uh, and as we like to say in in America anyway, a melting pot of multiple races, ethnicities, and types of individuals.
0: That seems like a, a lofty but attainable goal to just start with listening to someone else. And of course, that's one of our Goals with this podcast, and you also bring something interesting. You said earlier about you know really listening to your wife for the first time or your children. Uh, I think that's something else we're trying to explore here. Is not just political issues or class issues, but how to connect just between ourselves as humans. Uh, and it seems like you guys are using that as the basis to create some healing.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I I totally agree. It's a lofty but attainable goal. And some of the research, um, you know, basically estimates that about 100 million people want to see a national campaign to address social polarization. Well, Mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to do. And we've got over 200 partner organizations that mainstream listen first conversations. Um, There's several models of conversations from those that happen in your home to those that happen organically on the street to those that are very structured with a moderator um, to those that are between, you know, well-known individuals on a stage somewhere. Um, But I think you're right that it starts very simply with, you know, maybe it's you and your children. Maybe it's simply putting down the phone and hearing that your child at the park is saying, hey, daddy, watch me, Mm -hmm. right? It's that phenomenon that that we want belongingness and connectedness, and we achieve that through paying attention to other people, to listening, very broadly construed, Um, but being present and being available first and foremost. And I think that's what Listen First is all about, is the ability to be present and available to individuals that, first of all, you should be present and available to, Mm -hmm. and secondly, to uh, people who historically haven't Um, had access to, to voice in the society.
0: You offer a course for people to learn skills and to better, be, become a better listener. Yeah, I call uh, it becoming a professional listener. Uh, so I think that's so great. Uh, just the idea that you could be a professional listener. It, <laughs> yeah. it elevates us it. like, hey, this is my right. job. This is what I do. Do you think you could kind of walk us through some of the steps that someone could take to become a professional listener?
1: Absolutely. I think I'll maybe start kind of with the punchline, which is it's mm-hmm. less about your behavior and it's more about your mindset. Right. Uh, and that's where your mindfulness um, comes into play, for instance, where you're mm-hmm. fully engaged, you're attuned, you're engaged in the present moment. Um, mindfulness is that sort of ability to not only be attentive to your own uh, internal state and your own emotions, but the emotions and the internal, uh, potential internal states or at least the, 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 the presence of other People and so that that mindset, what what I call a listen first mindset, uh, what others might call other you know types of mindsets, um, uh, attunement, atonement, whatever the case might be, Mm -hmm. I think is um, that that's first and foremost. For instance, with um, multitasking, right? Mm -hmm. Um, One of the one of the key things that we know is that that's a myth that that ninety nine point nine percent of the people actually can't do two cognitively taxing things simultaneously. Instead, we're switching from one to the other very quickly and very efficiently, but much less efficient than focusing on one task and then switching your attention after you finish that task to another task. And some research estimates that we lose up to 40 percent productivity if we're trying to switch from one task to another as opposed to fully focusing our attention on on a single task.
0: So this is kind of the thing of putting your phone down. When you're talking to somebody, even just the presence of a phone
1: in the room, even if you're not attending to it, has been shown to um, influence conversations. That's one of those things in terms of, you know, you're not going to pay attention to your phone and to the person in front of you. Uh, Mm -hmm. You're going to be switching back and forth. And so I always ask, you know, which is more important? And if the phone is more important, then you should be doing that and let me know when you're done. Um, and if I'm more important, then can you please put the phone down and show me that, that I am in fact, the most important thing at this moment.
0: Do you have any suggestions on how to enter that state, that affectation of listen first to channel that openness, uh, to get away from, you know, the cell phone or your own thoughts going on in your head? How do you move into that new state? whatever you do,
1: whatever that is for you to get prepared for the conversation, I think the important uh, kind of takeaway is that you're actually doing something intentional prior to, we always say, think before you speak, but how many of us have ever heard think before you listen? Right, right. Um, And so we're so speaking centered in this culture that we oftentimes ignore the fact that listening takes as much, if not more energy and as much, if not more, preparation um, compared to speaking. Uh,
0: so you have this rule called the 80-20 rule that I think is a nice rule of thumb uh, where you say you should listen 80% of the time and speak 20% of the time.
1: It flips the script, right? And, and this is particularly important for... Um, people in professions that are notoriously talkaholics, or in a personal relationship, it really is. I want to. I want to get to know you. Uh, I want to understand what makes you tick. I want to understand why you believe what you believe,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and really, truly try to understand and take seriously that. I mean, I haven't met very many people that wake up in the morning and go, "You know, I'd really like <laughs> to believe some wrong stuff today." Yeah. Right. You know, we don't, we just don't operate that. Most of us have beliefs because we believe they're justified, true beliefs. We believe mm-hmm. that they're not only, you know, true, but they're good for us and they're the appropriate way to be. And and if, and if I believe that about myself and, and you believe that about yourself, but we disagree about some issue or about some strategy, then instead of, you know, me trying to persuade you toward my position, which is generally going to fail, especially if we don't know each other. Right? Maybe I can spend that time listening to why you believe what you believe and trying to uncover some similarities in your belief structure and your background and your values that align with my uh, belief structure and my values. And, and really that's kind of the impetus behind that 80-20 rule is curiosity, right. you know, regardless of what people say, curiosity didn't kill the cat, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so curiosity is a good thing and we should um, try to live out curiosity in our listening.
0: Right, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I do improv a little bit out here in LA, and I know I'm outing myself, <laughs> my own danger. But yeah. uh, 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 one of the rules is if somebody does something that's funny or outlandish, uh, you're supposed to ask the other person why they believe it, why they're doing it. So if I'm a person who you know buys a new pet every week, and it's something funny about that, and the scene. As the other person in the scene, they want to understand why I'm that way. And that's where the humor is. Uh Uh, So, I mean, it's even funny that in improv, you have to do that to get an interesting scene. And using that between two people is an interesting way to have conversation or connection. Because you're right, nobody believes that what they believe is wrong. They believe right. it. They, they so, really believe it. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah. can't have that scene without that. So yeah, right. I, I, that makes sense to me. Um, so I, I, I am curious about uh, emotions uh, behind listening, because as we were saying earlier, you could be confronted with some beliefs that you're diametrically opposed to, that you have a visceral reaction. Uh, you could be listening and someone says something that you feel like attacks you or generalizes you. Uh, of course, emotions are always there when you're listening. So how do we handle that when we're in this listening space?
1: Uh, yeah. So um, there's several ways to think about um, emotions. I mean, really, just like anything in a conversation, you want to understand them, you want to recognize them. But you want to go beyond the understanding and, and recognition. And you want to validate and affirm and acknowledge those emotions and and that doesn't you know and of course, the response to that as well, so you're saying I need to condone or I need to agree validation isn't about agreeing uh, recognizing mm-hmm. the validity of someone else's emotions isn't about agreeing that a those are emotions that you feel or right. or b that those are emotions that they necessarily should feel, right So mm-hmm. when my daughter screams from the other room that she hates herself. Right. Because Mm -hmm. she messed up. Um, You know, my knee jerk as a parent is, is, oh, why would you say that? You're you know, you're so great and and you shouldn't hate yourself and don't hate yourself. And hate is a strong word.
0: But instead,
1: I should explore that. Why are you using that term hate and particularly how you know, why are you attaching that to to yourself? Right. To try to Mm -hmm. figure out, Okay, well, that's what you mean by that. And that's a valid reaction because nobody likes to mess up. Um, and so you feel stupid. Uh, you are not stupid, uh, but you feel that way. And that's a legitimate way to feel given what you just experienced. And so there's this rule, I picked it up at s- some point, and I've been playing with this idea that maybe listening is rule based. And so there's all these <laughs> rules. So the 80 20 rule, and, and this was right. the, the 5% rule. In other words, you can always find something, even as little as 5%, that your partner says to validate. Um, And again, it's not agreement. It's not common ground. It's not condoning. It it really is. And and if that that 5% generally is emotions. And so if they Mm -hmm. say, I feel frustrated, right, that you can you can then validate their frustration that that it it makes sense, given their experience, it makes sense, given their worldview, it makes sense, given their life to this point, that Mm -hmm. they feel frustrated with. Fill in the blank um, and and helping them to work through in their in the larger uh, in their larger worldview, why experiencing that particular emotion, in this case, frustration makes sense um, and can be something that, um, you know, they can uh, trust you to help explore. Right. Right. And part of that is the the third rule that we might talk about uh, is the rule of available space. And so um, this is um, the kind of, uh, you know, somewhat humorous, but but true that people are like gases. They're going to fill up any space that you provide them. Right. Um, and <laughs> I do this with with an activity and I, I give half the room a sheet of paper or the same questions on the sheet of paper. And half the room, there's a one line after each of the questions. And in the other half of the room, there's multiple lines uh, for those questions. And guess who writes more? Right. It's it's there's always a- the half of the room that has the multiple lines. And I, right. and I asked them, why did you do that? And they said, well, because you gave me all these lines. I just that's assumed smart. that you wanted yeah. me to fill them up. And so, right. you know, silence is, uh, is, is one of those things that's uncomfortable and people will Try their hardest not to let it invade their space, and so they fill it up with words, and they talk and they talk and they talk. And so, if you give the person space, they'll fill it up. They'll tell you how they're feeling. They'll tell you their perspective. Um, but of course, you've got to interact with and validate, um, and you, you can't just sit there uh, and and mindlessly, you know, nod your head and say yeah you've got to interact as well. And that's where that 20% comes in. Right. So, so what you do with that 20% is ask questions, you know, Mm -hmm. paraphrase when it's necessary, um, and, um, you know, kind of entertain and, and, um, uh, encourage them to, to elaborate on their perspective.
0: So it's like, if you have the sheet of paper analogy, you still need to provide the lines. For them to yes. write on. It's not uh, a blank space. It's, it's a line. Not. Yeah, that's a good That's a good point. Right. So, But people will eventually fill the space you provide. Um, yes. And so that's something that we're trying to do with this project and as we're moving forward. And, of course, I've, I've got to point out the elephant in the room that we're two straight white guys talking. Yes. And— uh, They were both named Graham, by the way. And we're both named Graham. <laughs> 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 we're the okay. chances. Uh, yeah. But— I do want to address, because we're usually trying to magnify voices that aren't straight or white or male, or uh, trying to provide that space, Uh, and while also acknowledging my own identity through this, uh, but also not being constrained by it. So I, and I don't want to put you in a tough spot. I just want to hear your thoughts. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm probably
1: I mean, just hyper aware of, of that. Um, I, you know, to be honest, I wasn't aware of that until I went you know to, to grad school. I mean, I clearly I'm aware that I'm a white straight guy. But mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of what that means in in our society, uh, I'm not I, you know, I was not as cognizant of that as an undergrad as some of the students that, that I teach are or. Uh, that even some of the high school students that I know, uh, are currently, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I will acknowledge, uh, in situations. situation. So I, you know, for instance, I, I moderated a panel, um, not too long ago and, uh, on that panel were, um, uh, there was a, a, a black woman, um, uh, there's an, there another, there's a, a white woman, um, and then two, uh, men, one of whom was white and one of whom was non-white, um. And, you know, and and at some point I said, you know, I I can't speak for, I'll never know what your experience is. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't put myself fully in your shoes. Um, and I'm right. speaking to my friend who's a uh, this African American woman, and um, and so I'll you know. But but also not trying to put that into the, the, the tough thing is you don't want to put that person on the spot. It's like speaking for all black women in the entirety of America. Right. right? Because we're also all individuals with our own unique experiences. So mm-hmm. I don't want to discount that part of her experience is right. Being black, being a female in the South and so forth. But I also don't want to, you know, say things that that suggest that I'm asking her to speak for, um, you know, at you the same yeah, time. I don't want to
0: universalize her. Exactly. As monolith it's, of. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she wasn't my quota, you know, for the panel or anything. Right. That's not the point. Mm -hmm. Um, The point is to get a diversity of experiences. And those experiences sometimes are couched in race, class and gender. Sometimes they're they're uh, couched in other ways. Mm -hmm. Um, A good friend of mine here, uh, Tony Caldwell, put something on Facebook the other day that I just I don't know, you know, profound may not be the right word, but I just it struck me for whatever reason on that day. And, And he said the most unheard voices in America are the voices of women of color. Um, And so he put a picture up uh, in a a moment in this uh, this March gathering where um, uh, several women uh, of color were on stage. uh, And he said he goes on to say anyone who thinks that things aren't that bad is probably not engaging the right communities or asking the right people the right questions. Getting along and true equality are not the same thing. If the truth is not in front of you, stand in a different spot. Be Mm -hmm. a student. Sit at the feet of the experts. Listen and learn, and so that's really. I think that's what your podcast is about. I think that your podcast is about sitting at the feet of the experts, and, and again, the experts of their of their experiences of mm-hmm. what they've gone through, um, and definitely acknowledging when it's appropriate. I mean, I, I don't want to go around and play identity politics all day long, but identities are important, and certain identities are valued over other identities mm-hmm. uh, in our culture, unfortunately, and so to. To sweep that under the rug does it a disservice, uh, and to not acknowledge it um, just further sort of uh, embeds our culture with these stereotypes. And so I think the best thing that we can do about it is to be honest about it, to say that we don't understand when we don't understand, uh, hope that people don't judge us because of that misunderstanding, um, and truly like realize that what you're doing and what we're trying to do at Listen First Project really is... You know, look, I'm the last person to say, like, I want to give you a voice because you have a voice. Right. right. I don't I don't have the power to give you voice, but I, I do have the ability to give you space in my mm-hmm. own personal world for you to share your voice. And I think all of us have the, that ability to allow those of us that both look like us and act like us and think like us and look different than us think different than us and act different than us, we have the ability to lift, to help lift all of these voices, not because we're some, you know, powerful individual entity or because we know better or because we're some white savior, but because we're empathic and because that is our job as human beings to respect the humanness of other human beings.
0: You can learn more about the Listen First Project at listenfirstproject.org. Check out their partners, Urban Confessional, and someone to tell it to while you're there. They also just launched a new website, discoverlistening.com, so see how you can get involved at nationalconversationproject.org. Even listening to the show is a way of participating. And of course, subscribe, share, rate, and review this podcast. For other episodes please visit our website at straightwhiteguylistening.com or follow us at SWG Listening on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Straight White Guy Listening is created by Graham High and Rebecca Breithaupt. Thanks to Brittany High for her help on this episode. Special thanks to Dr. Graham Bodie. All music in this episode was written by Daniel Birch and from the Free Music Archive.